the mama, not 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 the mama. You do that one more time and I'm gonna throw you across the room. Hello! Welcome to Not the Mama with Auntie Julia. I am your host, Auntie Julia. And today, my friend and new booze boss, Sarah Gill, is with us today on the pod. Uh, Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So, yes, so Sarah has, uh, we are co-workers at NYU, and that's how we know each other, but she just accepted a new job where she will be uh, a main salesperson distributing beers to Manhattan restaurants and bars. So this is a perfect time to chat because we're going to be losing her soon. And she's going to be super busy running all over the city. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm really pumped. So super. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. We're going to talk about how you're transitioning from higher ed to uh, beer distribution and sales and restaurants and everything. Um, but I'm super happy that you've agreed to talk to us today. Sarah is also a dog mom. Yes. My dog, my gray, I have an eight-year-old greyhound named Asbury, who is my best bud. And how did you get Asbury? Um, we adopted, he was actually, he's my second greyhound. Um, uh, he was my, he's a foster failure. We agreed to foster because my previous dog was having a lot of separation anxiety, and I thought maybe getting a second dog would help, and so we got Asbury, and he has a lot of personality for a greyhound, so he didn't do so great when I took him to adoption <laughs> events, so no one really wanted him, and then I just, like, fell in love with him. That's yeah. Like, mm, just going to keep this dog. So. I feel like that's what scares me about, like, fostering kittens or something. I would just have a herd of kittens in my apartment for the rest of my life. No, yeah, my one of my friends fosters, like, moms and litters of kittens, and it was, like, ridiculous. She had, like, a kitten room. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would love that. I'm always on the lookout for kittens when I walk from the train. I'm always just like, one's got to jump out someday. That's just what you need since yours are trying to kill you this oh, my week. gosh. I know. The teenies are so bad. Uh, we're training them on eating habits because now that they're grown-ups, they need to not cry in the middle of the night several times for more food that they eat and throw up. So, Lane's been out of town this week, and it's been... A challenge. They are not <laughs> pleased with my shutting them out of our bedroom at night. Yeah, Asbury's um, on a diet right now because he's a little chunky. So. I know. It's like these like pets have such glorious lives and then, you know, uh, they're little shits a lot of the time. Anyway, so Sarah is her uh, child mom position is undecided, but it's complicated and she is waiting to see what happens in life. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about her experiences um, and kind of just go from there. But So you're 37. Yes, I'm 37. And how long have you been in the New York City area? Um, I've been in New York, actually. It was my 12th anniversary at NYU last month. So I've been in the city for 12 years because I moved up here after grad school to take the position that I had previously. Awesome. And yeah, it's been, I mean, I was in New York until 2010 and then I moved to New Jersey. Now I'm in Hoboken. It's great. Yeah, which is kind of just like another borough of Manhattan. It's the closest I've ever lived to Manhattan, actually, because it's 10 minutes. (laughs) And so your former job now um, has been to be the facilities uh, head person 
in our art department, which is kind of badass because it's mostly a male-dominated world, wouldn't you say, a little bit? Yeah, I feel like pretty much every job I've had in my entire career has been in a male-dominated field. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the beverage industry isn't yeah. really that different, so... It's true, yeah. You're kind of used to it. Um, but how, so how did you, what did you do in grad school? Okay, so I went to grad school in North Carolina at the School of the Arts, and I, my MFA is actually in stage properties. So okay. I was in, I worked in theater for like 15 years doing props. So that makes sense how you ended up at Tisch, because yeah. Tisch, Tisch is known as like the theater school, acting, yeah, stage. Yeah, performing arts. Yeah, performing arts. Although... Steinhardt has performed. I don't know. It's all. Yeah, but our but Steinhardt yeah. is like teaching performing arts, and then yes. Tish is like being a professional performing yes. artist. So it's yes. like a weird separation. Yeah, it's that, all very distinct uh, qualifiers yes. that confuse all prospective students. Yes, definitely. No end. Um, so, but then you've been at the art department for four years? Five years. Five years. Okay. Five as of August. So, so you were here two years before I started. Yeah. And then we, well, I guess let's kind of do the arc of how we know each other. So I started August 2015. Yes. So Julia started at a really brutal point in my life. So we didn't really know each other for about yeah, I don't think we ever six talked. to nine months after she started. Yeah. Because I just kind of knew. Yeah. Was 2015 like, right. was a pretty bad year for me. So. And do you want to kind of get into that? Yeah. I mean, it was. So I was married to my husband, Mark, for. Almost seven years. It was like six months before our seventh anniversary. But we met in grad school. We'd been together for 12 when he passed away. He had cancer from, he was diagnosed end of 2013 and passed away November 2015. So. And Mark worked sort of similarly to what you did, but he yeah. was in, a, in the for-profit arena. Yeah, yeah. He worked, um, he was, um, worked on the, Worked for the Macy's Parade Studio um, doing, by the end of his career, he was doing um, most of the automation for all of the parade floats. That's crazy. That's so cool. So it's cool. So, but yeah, so Sarah, when I met her, was sort of at the hospital all the time and obviously going through a lot of emotional stuff, um, just dealing with it, and I kind of kept my distance because you're not really needing new friends (laughs) 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 when that's happening. But it kind of was actually perfect timing because I think I think it's fair to say you sort of did you needed new friends after he passed away because yeah totally it wasn't like Julia and I started hanging out during my party girl phase well yeah so <laughs> yeah so I think like I think you know obviously it was such a tragedy to lose Mark so young um, and that's obviously a, a big event in your life. But I think your story sort of, you know, as far as focusing on you and like what you're doing with your life and what's happening with you going forward is how you've kind of dealt with your grief and like how you've sort of kind of changed a lot of things in a yeah. really short period of time. Not because it was your plan all along, but because life happens and unfortunately death marked your life. And now you've had to deal with it. Yeah. Um, it's just basically been like a process the last three years of figuring out, okay, well now what? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? Yeah. Because you and Mark lived in New Jersey together and you owned a home, which I think you're one of the only people I know in New York who owns property. <laughs> <laughs> Minus 
some of the older people that we work with. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you're, you know, we're, you guys owned, a, like, early. Yeah, we bought our house in 2010. Like, we got married in 2009. We lived in Sunset Park, which I loved, but my landlord let his son and his son's hipster band move into the basement apartment below us and they would just play the same song over and over until two in the morning yeah and one night we were lying in bed and i was just like so mortgage rates are really low (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i wouldn't even know how to figure that out but i do also you've just been in new york for so long too that like in my brain i'm like if I moved here like seven years ago, eight years ago, I would have everything figured out. And that's kind of silly because I've been here for five years and I keep deteriorating in yeah. my standing. Well, I mean, the thing is, especially if you move to NYU, like when I started here, starting salary at NYU was like $41,000. Yeah. So yeah, rent was cheaper, but I yeah. was still making no money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys kind of had like, you know, you had a set plan for your life. And I kind of want to go, I want to sort of take the convo way back to your childhood and under, like before yeah. Mark. So you kind of grew up all over the place too, right? Yeah. So I was born in California. And then when I was two, we moved to New Mexico. My dad works in semi, worked in semiconductors. So he moved, there was a fabrication like factory for semiconductors in Albuquerque. So we lived there. Um, there was like a little interim where he went to a different company. We lived in Austin for six months. He realized he'd made a horrible mistake, called his old boss and asked for his job back. And then we moved back to New Mexico. And then when I was 15, we moved back to Northern California, um, where I, that's where I graduated from high school. And then, um, yeah, went to college in Southern California. Before you I went to Pepperdine. Yes, yeah, so I went to Pepperdine. So Which I, I do that point fancy. out because, well, yes, it's sort of like, how would you describe Pepperdine? Because it's like the Cadillac of Christian schools, right? Yeah. I mean, it's basically like living every 90s teen movie. Yeah. In terms of the, like, other students, or at least it was when I was there, like, kids driving Mercedes yes. and Beamers. And it's right in Malibu or, like, right it, near No, it is. Right? Like, my yeah. sis, I didn't have, my sister went there as well. I didn't have one, but my sister had an Ocean View dorm. Oh, my God. <laughs> we had, I took horseback riding my freshman year because at that point there was still a stable and you could take riding classes as PE. Yeah. You know, if I knew how much debt I would be in at this point in my life, I would seriously have better considered where I chose to go to college. Like, that is literally <laughs> one of the things because, you know, I, I've talked about this before. I went to a Christian college as well. That shall not be named, um, and which I've talked about openly a lot on other podcasts <laughs> that have way more listeners than not the mama. But anyway, um, and I lived my freshman year in a dorm that was a circle building, and the rooms were pie shaped and smaller than my office, and my sister she went to Boston University lived in a high-rise building with view of Cambridge, the river, downtown, Fenway, you know, it's like all students who go to NYU, they're living right in the heart of Manhattan, views of the whole city, you know, I'm just like, what was that? You know what, yes, I was in Chicago, yeah, I, I love my friends. I don't regret the relationship. But also, like, studying on the beach was really great. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like, there's so, like, there's so many 
many places. And like your your university, like undergraduate years are like the time where you can like live so large. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you really, I mean, yeah, school is stressful, but what was I doing? Whatever. Anyway, this is not about <laughs> this my This is like a whole regrets. other po- podcast <laughs> at this point. But. but yeah, so I think it's important, though, to establish, just as far as like where you've come now, that you did go to this. It, and Pepperdine's pretty conservative Christian. Yes. Yeah, it was completely dry campus. Um, no opposite sex in the dorms past 11 o'clock, unless it's downstairs in the public lobby. Um, we had to go to convocation, just basically church service once a week. Yeah. All that sort of And you good had stuff. to go. You had to go. It was, you were registered for a single credit class every semester and you had to attend a certain number of, the main one was on Wednesday and there were no classes. So you could always go to the Wednesday one, but if you missed too many, cause it was like Wednesday, like 8am. So like Ugh. if you were tired or hungover or whatever, they had other like, the church on campus on Sundays counted. You could swipe in with your ID card. And they had a lot of, at the end of the semester especially, a lot of, like, additional opportunities yeah. so that you could get your course credit because you had to have all of those convocation credits to graduate. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's one thing I will say about my school. You didn't have to have a faith statement or you didn't have to sign a faith statement, which is, like, not for non-Christian people. You, It's, like, your declaration that you believe exactly what the school believes and that's what is required for attendance and we didn't have to go to the chapel which we had opportunities to go and I was involved in a lot of that Um, but the reason why my school didn't have that is because they also marketed themselves as a totally opposite way to commuter students who had no idea they were entering a Christian school (laughs) yeah so good, good and bad pluses and minuses but so anyway, so you went there, your sister went there. Yeah, I mean, my parents refer to it as the beach house because they were nice enough to pay for our undergraduate yeah. educations, and with the Very money nice. they spent, they could have actually bought a beach yeah. house. Um, yeah, but the good, th- the nice thing was I was a theater major, so yeah, it's a conservative school, but like theater people are still theater people, yeah. so it was not really the most, like the department wasn't necessarily that conservative, which yeah. was nice. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. No matter what type of school you go to, you're going to meet people who are a little bit on the outside and who are creatives and um, breaking down boundaries. Um, so then from Pepperdine, you went immediately into your Yeah, I went, I went straight into grad school because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I was like, well, this seems like a good idea. Well, I will say you definitely know so much about mechanics and like fixing things and building code and stage production like you're just like so good at building things and like all that kind of stuff so it definitely makes sense that you did go into that yeah no my parents were like my parents once told me they were like if we had known that this was a career when you were five we would have worried a lot less about you as a child (laughs) (laughs) because I used to just like make creations and like I'd like I'd like bring like a pan and a baseball bat and a rope to my dad and be like can you help me tie this to this <laughs> and they'd be like what are you doing <laughs> oh that's hilarious yeah I mean you're you're definitely like a handy person who can create a lot yeah. out of very little um and you have a good eye too a good design eye 
Um, but so then that's when you met Mark and then you came to New York and all of that. And so you and Mark got married pretty young too. Um, I was 29. Oh, okay. Yeah. We've been together. We met when I was, God, I was 23 and he was 21 and we got married when I was 29. Okay. He was 27. But you guys had been together for all that time. Yeah. Yeah. We'd been together. We started dating the second semester I was in grad school and he was an undergrad. He was a sophomore because he'd gone to community college. So everyone, but everyone didn't realize that and thought he was like 18. <laughs> but I was like, no, he went to community college for like two years. <laughs> He's 18 months younger than me. This He's is not, not a, a big child. Deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm three years older than Lane, so no, no judgments there. But yeah, we dated for a while I was ready to get married much sooner than he was, but I was like, whatever, we can just wait. Like, yeah. it's not a big deal. And then we got married when I right, when I was 29. But you didn't live together. We did not because my parents were still weirdos about that. Yeah. I think that they've relaxed now while well, I told them that. That you forced them to relax. Yes. <laughs> um. Life has changed. Your parents are not in control. Yes. I was married for seven years. I'm not a virgin anymore, guys. Yeah. So... Well, and I think it's safe to say, too, that your sort of personal value system has sort of evolved. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so so you guys got married, and then did you guys plan on having kids? Um, so for a while, we hadn't really, like, he didn't feel old enough to have that discussion period, because he was like, I'm not old enough to have children, blah, yeah. blah, and so then... We just, like, didn't really talk about it because I've never been, like, oh, my God, I need to be a mom. Like, yeah. it's never been some, like, deep internal need. But then being married to Mark, like, the longer we were together, it was, like, well, he's a great partner. And this could be something that he would, like, do 50% of the work in. And so I feel like if he – because he wanted to have kids. And I was, like, well, like, I'm – I could go either way, and I still feel like I still am that way. Yeah. But it was like, if he's, if you have a good partner who's going to support you, and I didn't not want kids. So I think our plan was to try, to like, start trying actually last year, 2017, which made last year a little bit, like, difficult. Like, yeah. fall's always kind of difficult for me, but, like, last right. fall especially was, like, pretty brutal for that reason. Yeah, because it, yeah, of course, like, that was a future date that you had plan yeah. in your mind to have a big kind of life change. Yeah, like I was going to start looking for jobs on the other side of the river so that like we'd both be working on that side of the river so when we had kids we could do like daycare and yeah. blah 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 and all that stuff, but life has changed, so. Yes. So, okay, so let's kind of move forward now. Um, so you and I became, I think, better friends in like spring of 2016. Yeah, like six months after I was sort of like pulling out of the fog a little yeah. bit. And I feel like we did connect at work a little bit more yeah. too. Um, but, you know, and I think too, like you realized like, okay, my life is completely different. So I'm just going to do what I want to do, you know, like, and I think that that's like sort of like the best way you could deal with it because what else, you know, it's kind of like what else were you supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it's, it's like part of the thing where people like, especially after something tragic happens to you, people think they're being nice about, like, think they're saying something nice to you like, oh my God, I can't, like, I don't even know how you get up in the morning. I would just be in bed all day. And it's like, well... I have to you go to life. work. Like, yeah. I have to have a job. I can't just, like, if 
I stayed home every day, I'd end up jobless and homeless. And, like, what do you do? You get up and you go to work and you just, like, get through it. Yeah, and I think, like, also the reason why you and I did connect, too, in that time of your life was because even though I've never lost somebody like Mark was to you, to me, I had my bad car accident when I was in high school. And I had that same – it was – yeah, I haven't talked about this on the pod before because – well, maybe I'll, I'll talk about it at some point, but I'm not going to get into all of that right now. But, you know, I was involved in a fatal car accident and it was a month before my senior year of high school. And, you know, grief and loss and tragedy don't exist just like as their own entity in your life. Yeah. You still have joy. You still have fun. You still have friendships. You still have family relationships, you still have responsibilities, (laughs) you still have just regular sadness, regular anger, regular stuff on top of all these other new emotions that have been forced upon you out out of this like life that you had no control over. So it is where I think it is tempting to be like, oh, I don't know what I would do. The reality is you just have to keep living yeah, and you do have to keep going forward. And so I think I could at least try to identify with you on that a little bit. Um, because I remember people saying similar things to me like that too. Like at school, it was like, oh, how are you even here? And now that I think back on it, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how I was here. Really? <laughs> just like show up. I mean, for here, like I did take a month off after because mm-hmm. NYU only gives you like five bereavement days. Yeah. And I just called our boss and was like, so I'm coming back in a month. Yeah. If you're going to fire me, go ahead. Like... <laughs> Well, and I think, you know, that's, like, the great thing about working here. Um, You know, people are very, especially in our area of NYU. NYU is so huge in the U.S., but people are actually connected to one another. And, sure, there are very, there are lots of problems, too, but I think people want to support each other more than they don't want to. So, I think everybody kind of just was like, a month? That's... Not even enough time, but, you, you know, whatever you need, yeah, you know? Yeah. And um, I think everybody kind of came together a little bit just because it was huge. It yeah, was a huge no, thing, sure. you know? Um, so you're in this state of kind of just life has been flipped upside down. All these plans are flipped upside down. How – why don't you talk about your process of sort of, like, going, keeping going and, like, how yeah. you've kind of changed your whole life? You know, because I think what I admire about you is that you've had singleness thrust upon you in a phase of life where most people are like, oh, phew, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And especially, too, it's kind of you're in a unique position because you had sort of a more conservative, like, adolescence and dating experience the first time around that resulted in this great marriage and now you're kind of... And now in, it's like I'm in, like, this horrible Tinder wasteland. Yeah, yeah it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be so demon blue. Not to be so demon blue. But how, how did you sort of, like... And, and if you even did, what when did you sort of start realizing, okay, like, 
I am single now. What do I want? What do I want to go after? Because it's not just about dating. It's about your whole life. Yeah. You, you know, we're celebrating with this episode your new job that you yeah. actually worked super hard to get over the last three years. Like, yeah, yeah. I would say all the changes you've made, and that's what I want to talk about. I want to hear about how you've come to this new Yeah, place. no, for sure. Because all the changes I've made in the past three years have definitely led to this new career yeah. that I'm starting, which I'm super pumped about. Um, yeah, I mean, well, basically what I decided after he passed is that I wasn't going to make any decisions for six months to a year. I wasn't going to change anything. I was just going to, like, get through the grieving process and then figure shit out. Because I was like, this is enough change. I don't want to make any more decisions. I don't want to make wrong decisions while I'm, like, not mentally capable of, like, doing stuff. So, stayed in the house, kept the job here. I had to get a dog walker because, like, someone had to take care of the dogs. Because my old commute was 90 minutes one way. Mm, So it was sort of like I wouldn't get home until after 8 every night, even if I left. It was like you had such a nice house, but it was, was like, so much upkeep just for one person. Yeah, well, that's basically after, like, my first – I was in the house for two summers. After my first, like, full year in the house – when it got to January and I was like realizing that I had to shovel all this snow yeah. and I was like shoveling snow for four hours because we had that like crazy snowstorm. Yeah. I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't like do the commute and take care of the yard and take care of a three bedroom house. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to sell the house. Yeah. Which was like the first step. So sold the house last summer. It was horrible because I had to like, it was Mark had this great, amazing shop in the basement that I had to clean out that he had never cleaned out. We bought it um, lock and stock and barrel from the estate sale. So it had like 40 years of the previous owner's stuff. And then Mark's put all his stuff. And my joke was like, if he wasn't already dead, I would have killed him that day cleaning that (laughs) shop out. Because it took three carfuls to Goodwill and like 30 bags of garbage. Yeah. I mean, you like... (laughs) Your basement was insane because you also had this, like, beautiful bar that had, like, didn't have, like, a keg. Yeah, no, I had a two-keg system because Mark and I both brewed our own beer. And then it was, like, a full bar and, like, Mark liked to buy. Like, we both did. We both liked to buy. Like, if one of us was having a bad day, the other one would go to the liquor store and buy something new and be Mm -hmm. like, let's. So we had, like, all these bottles that had, like, two drinks out of them. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the huge bar. Luckily, my coworker, our coworker took like the 60 inch TV and a bunch of the other oh, stuff yeah. off my hands because I ended up downsizing to a one bedroom apartment in Hoboken. Yes. Which is amazing and beautiful. Yes. I love that apartment. Yeah. It's been there a year so now. Cute. Yeah. It's so nice. Um, so yes, yeah, so you had to get rid of the house or yeah, at least manage it. Yeah. You sold it to a nice couple. Like Yeah. I sold it to a family. I think, I don't know. I haven't been by there in a while cause I'm not really out that way anymore yeah. unless I'm dog sitting for friends. Um, but yeah, Sold the house. I was homeless for like a month. I went, like I sold, we closed on the house. I went to Canada to mountaineering school for a week. And then I came back and dog sat for three weeks and then closed on the apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that brings up another good thing. You've definitely done some amazing traveling over the last couple of years too. Yeah. You, what was that mountaineering thing? It was like school. Yeah. It was like an intro. It was an introduction to mountaineering course that I took up in Banff in Calgary. 
And it was for all women, right? Yeah, it was a women's only one, which was really nice because it was like super supportive. And women climb a lot differently because our bodies are different than men, so we climb a lot differently. So it was really great learning it from a female guide and having other women there to do like the same thing. Yeah. And also it's like a lot less ego because like there's a lot of ego in stuff like climbing. It's like a big part of like cultural problems but we don't need well, to get into that well and women yeah. are actually better climbers because we don't use our upper body yeah. as much as men yeah. do no, exactly. men don't want to admit that all the time but it's true yeah I know the number of times I've been out climbing and like someone like who's belaying me is trying to help and they're like just do a pull up and I'm like I can't do a pull up yeah. <laughs> Well, and that, you know what, that, I just want to make this point for the listeners because this is a little bit of an aside, but it is all tied together. You know, this idea that women are more drama or harder, it's all bullshit. Like, men create chaos and theatrics and irrational drama just as often as women can do as well. But sometimes women can just be supportive and achieve greatness together. And oftentimes, I mean, we see this play out all the time in government. The women senators, women congresspeople are always more even and rational. I mean, we saw this in the last election, of course, you know. But it's just mind-boggling to me that we in our own day-to-day lives have all of these experiences where women are more thoughtful, women are more even you know, or not even more, the same amount, yet the idea that men are just better guides, better leaders, you know, less complicated, always persists. And it's just annoying to me. I was also thinking about this today because, and this is facilities related, um, so we are, we're still at work, it's a Friday, Um, but there was some workers here to install a new radiator, and Whenever we have outside men working in the building, they are always fighting. It's always (laughs) so much drama. (laughs) Yelling, screaming, getting frustrated with one another. And I'm just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, this, it cannot just be me noticing this. Like, this is a real thing. Sorry. That's just my rant for this episode. (laughs) But it's true. Men are just as much drama, just as much irrational theatrics as women can be at times. And yeah. women can be great leaders, even keeled support groups to one another, which I think we have many examples of that. No, for sure. I mean, like, I used to be, like, one of those cruel girl, like, oh, I don't really have female friends, blah, blah, blah. I get along with men better. And then I was like, this is bullshit. Like, women are so much more supportive and like I mean I have a ton of great male friends but like I would not have survived the last three years without like I have a core group of friends who I've been friends with since I moved to the city that I met on live journal which is hilarious um Oh, yes. Sarah's very good at making friends online. Yes, I have lots of Not internet friends. Dating, but I'm really like, bad at internet dating, but well, I'm really good at making friends. Yeah. Which I'm always like, man, because you're very outgoing. You need, you know, you need people in your life. Like, you're definitely not an introvert. No, I, like here like if I'm at work and like I don't talk to enough people during the day I kind of have to go to the bar and talk to people before I can go home like I can't just go home and not have talked to anyone all day so well that's a good transition too so in addition to you know all of your trips and your traveling 
and also, you know, selling your house and like changing your location, you also started going to this bar in Manhattan regularly. Yeah. Which you also had, you had that before too at a different bar. Yeah. No, and um, I still do. I still go to both of them. Like yeah. I'm regular at two bars. My friends always make the joke that they're all going to split up one Friday and all go to different bars and then text me and see if I know the bartender because like, <laughs> depending on the bar, I probably do if it's a beer bar. Yeah. So you really got into it though, I think socially after um, Mark passed because obviously you were yeah. creating a new social life and new daily normal. Yeah. yeah because um, like most of my friends are married at this point yes. and don't want to go out like three nights a week. So, and it's also, I mean, it's also hard to like financially going out a lot and physically going out a lot, but you built it into just your commute home Yeah, because you were having to commute a long way anyway. So when you got, you know, like you figured it out to fit it into your lifestyle as it was. Yeah. No, it was perfect. Which, Bars right by the subway. Yeah. Um, so how, I mean, cause I think like a lot of people who are listening, especially women who are single, it's hard to put themselves out there like that. Like, I know you tease yourself about being, like, terrible at online dating, which is just a hard thing to do in general. And I think, like, a person like you who is more outgoing and isn't afraid to talk to new people who you've never met or even go on a mountaineering trip with strangers, um, it makes sense that you're probably not going to connect with another person that you just meet randomly by, you know, whatever you put online. You probably need to vibe with them in real life, but what I think is really cool is that you're not afraid to go out by yourself. You're not afraid to, you know, sit and talk to people you've never met before or meet new friends that you've never met before. Like, I mean, yeah. I've come out with my friend group before, too, and I feel like you're really good at just making connections. Yeah, that's, like, my favorite. I just love, ta- like, talking to people, like, learning stuff about people who I don't know. Yeah. Like, just everyone has, like, their really own interesting, cool story, and so the ability to, like, pull that out of someone is really fun for me. Right. So I think it's, like... You know, it's motivating and I think encouraging for other people who are listening who, whether or not you're single or you're making life changes or some things happen that you didn't expect or anticipate, you don't have to just wait and sit around for people to come to you. Like, you can put yourself out there and it will have good rewards. And I mean, like, literally bartenders are being paid to talk and be nice to you. So, like, that's the easiest way to start is, like, (laughs) go to a bar and make the bartender talk to you. (laughs) Yes. Take advantage of their time. Um, And tip them very well. Yes. But, so, and you've met, like, a lot of cool new friends that have sort of, um, I I wouldn't, because I think, like, how you've ended up. I mean, it definitely sounds like you and Mark were into, you know, booze and spirits yeah, before, no. but I think it's really blossomed in you since, um, the, over the last couple of years, and I definitely think your social life has a lot to do with that. Yeah. you've made friends who have helped you. Yeah, well, because the, it's, um, the bar I go to, Blind Tiger Ale House in the West Village, it's really great, you guys should go. Um, it is fun. It's really they've fun. Got good food too. They've got good food. They've got tons of really great, like amazing events where you get to meet lots of people, like the artisans who actually like make the beer in a lot of cases. So it's super fun. Um, but yeah, I just started going there a lot. I'm friends, like legitimate friends with most of the bartenders. It's easier for the women to be friends with the bartender if you're a dude and you want to go out and like make some bar friends. 
make friends with one of the male bartenders first so that they'll vouch for you to the female bartenders is my yeah. advice because the female bartenders get hit on a lot and you don't want to have yeah, to Yeah, and I think women scene. just in general have alerts up for men. Yeah. Like my friend today, <laughs> who shockingly is a comedian, she posted this, uh, she was advertising a show she was doing tonight, but she posted... Um, uh, just like an update about how her male friend told her recently when he first met her, he wanted to ask her out, but then he saw on, or he heard her tell a joke about how men creep her out all the time and that she just wishes they would stop asking her to date or, you know, whatever. And so then he decided to just be her friend and they've been friends for like years now. And so like, dudes, if you want women in your life, just cut it out. Like, Try to control your creepy weirdness. Yeah. And, yeah, make friends with guys, too, who are around women. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's literally one of my dating requirements is that a guy have a friend group that includes female friends yeah. because I want to know that he can actually, like, view women as someone, something other than sexual. Yeah. And, like, as an equal. So. And as just a person. Yeah, exactly. As, like, a human being. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just thinking about that one guy that you did date for, like, two times who was super weird, but on paper looked great, you know? Yeah. That's what happens. That's what I'm, you know, online dating is tough. I only did it a little bit because I wasn't, I wasn't single before the apps, but, yeah, you, I just feel like you've already figured it out. Like, your life is much richer and fuller. Yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely not as charming via text as I am in real life, is I think also my issue. Because I'm just like, oh, because I just like, I like sit there and look at the blank phone and I'm like, why the fuck do I have to impress this person? Like, they should be impressing me. I don't care. Well, and I think you're also a person who's always up for a hang. So it's like, well, why don't we just get together? Yeah, exactly. Why am I waiting around for you to ask me out? Yeah. Which I think is the way you should be. I've got a friend right now who has a crush and the crush lives in the same place. And seems very reciprocal of feelings, yet it's just been this back and forth internet flirting and stuff. And it's like, just get together. (laughs) Just go out. But people have their own processes. But anyway, so we've made these friends. And I do want to talk about this because in our pre-pod chat, you were blowing my mind. I just want you to so explain to our listeners... The differences between brewing beer, um, distilling spirits, and or liquor. Is it spirits or liquor? It's both. Either both. way, yeah. And what is it? Fermenting wine? Or oh, yeah. Like, wine and beer have, like, the same basic. Like, wine is actually easier to... It's, like, the easiest to... I've made all three. Okay. Or I've made distillation in theory. I understand yeah. how to do. But wine is the easiest because you don't really have to heat anything. You just, like smush the grapes up, throw some yeast in, aerate it so there's a lot of air in there, and the yeast just, like, goes crazy, and then eventually you strain it, and there's wine. It's magic. Um, And you age in oak barrels, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, beer is sort of, it's more of, like, a heated process. You heat the, you have, like, crushed grain, whatever base grain you're going to use, um... The malt, like malted wheat, and then barley, whatever, grain. Um, You sort of heat it up to um, convert all of those starches into a sugar. So all the starch comes out of the grain. Um, And then you add, like, the hops, which is sort of the bittering agent. Um, And then you let it cool down, add the yeast, 
ferment it for a while. Sometimes you'll transfer it and do a secondary fermentation, add fruit, whatever, um, and then bottle or keg it. And then distillation is basically the same sort of initial process as beer. You take a grain, um, or I mean, sometimes in distillation you can use, you can use basically anything that you've made alcohol through fermentation with, you can distill from. Okay. So you do like either a mash or you smush up a bunch of grapes and ferment them. And then distillation is a sort of heat process where alcohol has a much lower boiling temperature than water. So you heat your like still pot to like 180 degrees or so. And then the alcohol will boil off first. So the first like four shots to a quart is what's called your head. So that's like the poisonous alcohol that people, when they talk about bathtub gin and going blind, there's different types of alcohol boil at different points. So like the beginning part of the alcohol is sort of poisonous. You take that and throw it away. And then all the stuff in the middle is ethyl alcohol, which is what we like to drink. And then at the end, there's another set of like nasty things that you don't want to drink. Um, they, on both ends, it smells really terrible. Like no one in their right mind would drink that except okay. if you were like a crazy teenager. Yeah. Um, but then the middle is the ethyl alcohol. And so then that's like pure spirits, like 90% alcohol and up. So like 180 to 190 proof. And then you cut it down with water and then you have like your vodka or if you put herbs and botanicals in the still... Um, so if the alcohol passes through, you have a gin, and then if you age it, you age it in like oak barrels, and you can make whiskey, brandy, that sort of thing. Awesome. So see, you know everything. That's our very, very simplified. Yes. But you've also, I feel like you probably knew this stuff before uh, you really got into it. But you've also learned it's be- it's become a hobby that turned into a career. Or is yeah. turning into a career, yeah. which I think is so cool. So why don't you talk a little bit about that too? Like um, how you've, yeah. how you figured it out? Because I think it's just like so cool that like you've got, you had like, you've had your higher education, you've got your master's degree, you've worked in the field that you trained for, and now you're completely changing your life um, career wise. And you figured out what it is that you like to do, not only socially, but just like, uh, intellectually too because all of this stuff is kind of like you need to have this knowledge in order to sell especially in a market like Manhattan where yeah for sure high end um and so I just think it's like so motivating for people listening to hear about how you've kind of figured all of this stuff yeah so I've been like my dad used to brew beer when I was a kid okay and so I've been around that for forever and then Mark and I definitely brewed together especially once we got the house there are always like at least one or two beers on tap in the basement um, so I've always really liked beer. I lived in Germany for a year in college, which also like helped with the like liking to drink beer. And then just starting to go to bars where it's like 30 different taps of all these like breweries and beers that I've never heard of and trying all of them and like learning more about beer has made me like really passionate about it. And then I was just sort of talking to like the managing owner and the bartenders And I've made friends with a lot of the beer reps that just hang out there just being like, I kind of like, I want to, you guys always seem like you're having a great time. Like I want to do this. And then for a while I was thinking of going back to school again, which I realized was a horrible idea Yeah. because I was thinking of going back for fermentation science to be a brewer until I did more research and like realized that I was going to have to like, I was finally going to have to take calculus. I had avoided it my entire life. And then to do this, I was going to have to take calculus. And I was like. 
I don't know about that. And then I realized that, like, unless you own the brewery, these guys aren't making a ton of money. Like, yeah. you're not... You keep making enough money to keep doors open and pay, but a lot of the entry-level jobs don't pay a lot. They definitely yeah. don't pay a lot enough to live in New York City, I feel right. like. At least... They maybe pay enough to live in New York City when you're, like, 22. Yeah. When you're 37 and you have a mortgage, not so much. So. And a dog. <laughs> and a dog. <laughs> yes. Dogs in New York are so expensive. Oh, my God. My dog walker. It's insane. No, I know. I Like, people think I'm nuts. I, Casey James Lego, previous guest, he's a dog walker outside of being a comedian, and he makes a lot of money doing it. I pay like, mine $400 a month yes, to walk my dog once a day. Exactly. Like... You you can make a lot actually doing these things in New York that you would no. never make anywhere else. Oh my else. god, had I known that bartender was a legitimate career choice, oh, yeah. I would have been one. I have so I many friends who are bartenders, too. and I'm just like, I could... I mean, it's definitely really physically hard on your yes. body, but it's also kind of everything I like to do. Yeah. So... But I think, like, that's why it's cool that you're sort of... You are taking... You've planned it out to make this change. Yeah. Which you financially prepared for it. You have prepared for it at your current work. You've prepared for it in just like organizing your social life. Um, but it does take a lot to do this type of. I can't. I'm not going to call this midlife, but I guess we are sort of midlife yeah. a little bit. Right. It's hard to change your yeah, career. Yeah. No, for sure. After it's, you've been doing it for 12 years. Yeah. You know, in yeah. any field. It yeah. just is hard. So for me, I'm super inspired by it because I would like to get to that point where I can change. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to change. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, it was just like I came to this realization the past couple years that, like, could I stay in this job for the rest of my career? Yeah. Technically, yes. Technically, yes. Would I mentally survive that for the next 30 years? Definitely not. Well, and this is like a good sort of cycle around to the whole theme of the pod, because that's what I've been thinking a lot about, too. Um, so you're not a mom. No. Um, and at one point, you thought you probably would become a mom, and then life circumstances changed. I think the career that we're both in right now is definitely conducive to being a working mom. Yeah, for sure. Not only in just how you can organize your time and and your time off, but in also the benefits that we get. Most of it oh, yeah, is yeah. geared towards it's, working mothers. For sure. It's like and this is not preface asterisks none of I am very 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 extremely pro supporting working moms. Because I think that helps all women. It helps us all. It helps the next generation get into the careers that they want. So I am very pro uh, longer maternity leaves, pro breastfeeding time, pro child daycare services. I mean, that's what boggles my mind the most, working 10 plus years in higher ed. No institution that I've ever been at has offered on-site child coaching services. Maybe for faculty they have that, but they do not. They have don't. That they have the. They have a scholarship. They have a yes, childcare scholarship, have. but for, based on what my friends who have kids who work at the university have told me, it covers like maybe two or three months of the year yeah, worth of childcare. Yeah, no, I mean that was part of the reason that Mark and I had put it off is, especially like, New Jersey daycare is even more expensive mm-hmm. if that's humanly possible, and like, 
infant care, when I looked at it, was more money than our mortgage per month. And we just yeah. like, we're like, we can't afford that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, childcare is, I, well, this is another instance of me not being prepared with data, but I just read an article about how people pay more in childcare than they do in uh, rent or mortgages. No, for sure. And it's just like, what are we doing, America? What are we doing? But anyway, I also think, you know, having said all that, being supportive of expanding all of these benefits, uh, like, there aren't that many other benefits that are given to us. So if you've chosen a different path, for instance, there aren't sort of other incentives to kind of keep going outside of just having a lot of time off. Yeah. Which is great. It is great, except I don't make a lot of money, so I can't necessarily travel or do a lot of things with my time yeah. off. So you kind of have to like patch together what your benefits are. I mean, and this is like, it is true. So before I accepted this job, which I think I've told you before, but for podcast listeners, I don't think I've talked about this. Um, I was offered another job at, it was like the same time and it was so stressful. I was offered this other job for a position I wasn't really into, but it was a step up from the job that I was doing, which I definitely wanted to get out of after I had gotten my master's degree. And so they offered me the job on the phone and the only benefits that the person who would have been my boss advertised to me in any way were all geared towards being a working mom, uh, free tuition. If your kid got in, um, you know, extended maternity leave package, great healthcare benefits for kids, the scholarship for childcare, like all that, which truly was in no way, shape, or form a successful selling point to me. Yeah, you're just like, okay, I mean. So where it's like, okay, great, like, you know, we're starting to see women as needing these resources and stuff if they do choose to become moms. I was kind of like, oh, come on. I, yeah. I know I'm pigeonholed. Yeah. Because if I enter, and like, you know, I had so many interviews in that office, and it was all working moms or moms who were, or women who were about to become moms. Like, they were all, you know, and that was a great environment for them. But it was just like, nope, not for me because I don't have this plan. Yeah. And also, they knew I didn't have any kids yet because I had willingly shared that information. So it's like, okay, tuition remission benefits in 18 plus years. Thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. That's your selling point yes. to me? I will oh, say gosh. NYU does have the best yes. retirement matching program yes. of any company yes. I've ever worked at or interviewed for. So that yes. is the one that benefits everyone. That is good. That, and great actual healthcare benefits. No, too. I mean, I, God knows I put those to the test because yes. Mark was on my health insurance yes. here. Oh, yeah. You know firsthand more than anyone. <laughs> Yes, it's just, it is an interesting sort of yeah. thing, because it's like... I will say that this department in particular doesn't view not having kids as something no. that means that you have to work late all the time. Like, our, like, no. outside needs are just as important yeah. as the people who are mothers in this department. If I need to leave early to do something, no questions asked. I can oh, do I feel it. it's very yeah. supportive no. in my... Well, it's also like we're in a creative department, so... We're all viewed as artists, which is awesome. Like, I mean, I feel so supported in this podcast already. 
and obviously that's going to be a huge thing to me. So I'm not, I, I, I picked the right job. Yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> I picked the right job. Um, and so there are benefits, but it is like just this idea of, you know, if you're a woman in your thirties, then that's what you're yeah. going to want to know about because you're going to want it. You're going to have a kid in the next like three years. Yeah. If you want to have a kid. Yeah. But it's also, you know, for people like me who don't want to have kids, you know, I think you got to figure out a different way of wooing me. Like yeah. women need to be seen as complex, just like men are complex, you know, like, cause, and it's, you know, there, I'm, I'm pretty much in the camp where we will see extensive paternity benefits for men much, much more quickly than we have had to fight for the women's yeah. maternity benefits. So it is kind of this interesting, I don't know, place to be because Ugh, yeah. yeah, I just have I have conflict I have conflicted feelings about it because I don't want my fight to be recognized as a full person without children to distract from the very important fight of working moms and like getting them the resources that they need. Yeah, and so that's where I'm trying to like bridge that gap. But like, on the I'm other hand, a staff option for a sabbatical every like five years where you could have like yeah. an extended period off unpaid and have you return to your job would be awesome. That would be very awesome. <laughs> That's a very good idea that I will be advocating for now. <laughs> now what? Once you leave, I'm going to be like, hey, Sarah gave me this idea. And I... No, no, no. The administrative council has been fighting for one because yeah. the faculty have it as a benefit. Yes. They have sabbatical. And so the... And I want to write a book. Yeah. I could take that time to write. Like, exactly. every day. Like, that would be amazing for me and my brain. Um, anyway, that... But the aside where I want to kind of swing this around to is... Yeah, in this job, if you're not planning to have a family where you need all this time off or you're not pursuing these creative endeavors, like luckily we are, but yours has turned into a whole career. So yeah, the idea of being here for 20 plus years is sort of stifling. Yeah, for sure. Especially because like from a facility standpoint, i well qualified for the job in this department, but any of the promotions up to the university level basically require an engineering degree, which I'm definitely yeah. not interested in pursuing. Yeah. So it's sort of like a dead end from that point. Yeah. I mean, you did kind of look around at maybe I did. an well, MBA my... or things like that. Gain, but... Gaining an MBA brain. Yes. Um, but I think like what you've landed on is more suited to Yeah. Who no, you are. just in talking to my friends and the other, like the friends that I have that are beer reps, um, just sort of like making connections with people and talking to people about something that I really care about, which is beer seemed like a really great fit for something I'm good at and something that I really like to do. Yeah. So yeah. And you're going to get to meet new people all the time. And I don't know. I kind of feel like in like two years, you're going to be doing something super high end. Also. I hope so. I I'm really, really pumped for this opportunity. So it should be fun. Yeah. So, okay, so career-wise, you're on a high, you're up, up where it's going. We've kind of briefly touched on this, and I don't want to get too into dating life, blah, 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 because I don't want to focus on you just having a man for completion or whatever, but I think you do want to find another partner. Is yeah, that fair to say? Definitely. Because so, I really liked being married. Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's, you know, like, yes. You yeah. want that person in your life, especially if you crave, like, 
chats and like social interaction and you know like even though I admire you for going out and doing it on your own I know that you want to come home to somebody yeah and and like that share experiences like when all of that stuff about Alexa recording people was coming out my parents like oh I would never get one because I have two I have two echoes in my apartment and I was like what do you do with two well I have one in the living room (laughs) one in the bedroom um but my parents were like well don't you worry that she's recording I was like all she's recording is me talking to the dog. Like, I'm not really, like, I don't care if someone, if she sends someone a voicemail of me, like, singing a song to the dog. I mean, even, <laughs> like, even if I was alone in the, well, I've been alone in the apartment this week, I definitely scream about politics on my own time. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. We're, we have a no... Our phones are recording us. It's like, I don't, you know, and yeah. plus I'm broke and I don't want to give Amazon any of my money anymore. I've, <laughs> I've turned. I've turned. Um, but anyway, so what are your hopes as far as finding someone someday? And what does that mean for your current undecided, but it's complicated, but you're letting the world figure it out? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just have to sort of be realistic about it, right? Like, I'm 37. i totally single. Like, women in my family have definitely had children without assistance into their 40s. Okay. And the kids are fine. So I know, like... You know, it's possible. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have my period till the end of time, basically, because all the women in my family have it till they're, like, late, late, late 50s. Well, what do you use for birth control right IUD. Now? So, in a, in a previous app, another man app, I've already talked about Casey... Will was telling me his theory is that when you have an IUD, it just kind of like prolongs. This is based on no scientific evidence or medical <laughs> intelligence whatsoever, but it just prolongs your like fertility so that when you get it taken out, you immediately can become pregnant because he heard of, or he had one friend that this happened to. I'm pretty sure you, s- that crazy you still actually ovulate though while it's happening. It doesn't, well, I guess yeah. the, I the, I guess I have I the hormonal one, and it doesn't. Well, it depends on which one you have. Yeah, I have the hormonal. But I also, um, so fraternal twins also run in my family. My father's oh, okay. a fraternal twin. His grandmother's a fraternal twin. My sister's youngest nephew is actually a fraternal twin, but he reabsorbs the second embryo six weeks into pregnancy. Oh my God. So, like, if I ever get pregnant, like it's probably going to be two anyway That's crazy. so I could just be like one pregnancy and I have siblings it's great absorbing reminds me of The Office did you ever watch The Office? yeah when Dwight brags about having the power of himself and a tiny little yes. baby because he resorbs <laughs> I didn't realize that no, was no we joke that my nephew ate his twin oh my god we're horrible horrible people but um, so but so you're kind of leaving the option open to potentially maybe pursue having your own children someday. yeah it depends I mean it's complicated in that I don't... I haven't met anyone and I'm fairly old to be a mom first time. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm in this weird New York City demographic since yeah. everyone gets married so late. Like, pretty much everyone's coming off their first divorce right now and definitely doesn't want to think about having a yeah. serious relationship if they're the same age as me. Um, or they have, like, little, little kids, which I'm not super... I have no problem dating a man that has children, but I would kind of prefer, like, I like elementary age kids. I like them when they're their own little person more than I like, really like babies or like 
toddlers. Yeah. So I don't I know. I think that's. I think it's fair to not want to be a weird other lady to tiny children. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, dating is dating. Yeah. It is really hard to make something work out in the long run. So like, why? Spend and I also all this feel time? like when the kids are that young too, I feel like. The co-parenting relationship is a lot more intense, depending yes. also on like when they broke up. But it's also why they broke up. Why they broke up. It's also more involved because the child is, you know, more helpless. Mm-hmm. So it's just a little. It tends to based on friends I've had who have like dated single parents. It's yeah. just a little more fraught when they're younger and like everyone's older. It's maybe slightly more subtle, but what do I know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I mean, most of the divorced dads that I am friends with definitely do not want any more children. I mean, yeah. a lot of them have actually had vasectomies because they don't want any more kids. Okay. So you're kind of like, is it fair to say that you're sort of like, cool if you do, cool if you don't? Pretty much, because I'm just like, if I meet someone and we fall in love and he wants to have kids and I think that he's going to hold up his end yeah. of doing the work because I have also had too many friends who yeah. have kids with men and they're just like useless, Yeah, which is not something I want to do. Well, especially going into the job that you're going into. Yeah. You're going to be traveling. You're going to be... It's lots of nights yeah. and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like my ideal situation would kind of be like a stepmom situation, I think at this yeah. point. Like I feel like I could be like a pretty decent stepmom. Um, I don't know. I like working with kids. I was volunteering for the boxing charity. I can't do it this semester, but I was volunteering, mentoring um, high school students at the boxing charity at my gym last season. Nice. And that was really cool. I love my nephews, but... Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it's kind of like you're open to different possibilities, but you're not firmly... I don't, yeah, I don't feel like a piece of my life is going to be missing if I don't have kids. Yeah. So... You know, and I guess to bring it a little bit back to Mark, as you were saying last year, this last year was sort of like a hard time for you because it was when you had planned to start trying for kids. Do you feel that that's an additional loss? In a way, kind of, but like, I'm so, so glad that we didn't before he got that's sick. That's what I was going to ask. Because English. I can't even imagine being a single mom in New yeah. York City. Like, I... My parents probably would have moved here. I'd probably still be living in that house, and my parents would have bought a house down the block because I don't think that I could have handled that by myself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It would have been a totally different process of finding out who you are. And I don't think... Yeah, I mean, your life would have had to been your kids because it would have been fostering your children through their loss of, you know, their dad. So, yeah, that's interesting um, to think about all those aspects of it and just to be grateful for where you're at. So where do you, I guess, like to wrap up things a little bit, um, where do you think you'll end up in, in the most ideal sense of your life turning out? Um, I mean, right now I'm just sort of focusing on learning a new industry and hopefully getting really good at this job. I'm sort of not really thinking about dating at all right now while I get this under control. Yeah. Um, I mean, eventually I would really like to get married again. Yeah. That's, like, ideal. But in terms of, I definitely want to stay in New York with this job for a few years. Um, the company's large enough that it's pretty easy to relocate. I've been thinking about moving out of the city for a while because I feel like I've reached an age where I don't have enough money to do a lot of the stuff that I would like to do. Yeah. And if I live somewhere that costs a little less, it would be great. 
Well, you also have friends kind of all over the place. Like, you've got really good friends in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, I was just in New Orleans a few weeks ago, yeah. and that was, I was like, I could live here. This is great. Well, and your family's still out west, too. Yes. So that could be a potential place. Yeah, I think, like, New York, it's just, like, one of those places where you love it until you just don't. Yeah. Or you hate it until you love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's really hard to figure. I think it's really hard because I always, I keep like feeling, and maybe like as the podcast evolves, I'll stop asking that question because I think it's so hard for people to envision their futures here. Like even for me, I have no idea. You yeah. Know? I really just don't. I just, you know, I hope I don't have kids. <laughs> 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 I think that's like my one thing. You know, um, but it's just such a place where things change so fast and life always keeps moving no matter what you're dealing with and you have to keep up hustling where it either wears you down or you just kind of go with it. Yeah. And I think, I think for you, I'm super excited because I think this new job and this new career change is getting you more to where you should be. I think you're going to really flourish with all the different people that you're coming to meet and like the you know, new customers, but also just new friends that you're going to make. And I think it's going to be really cool to see. Yeah. No, the the company culture definitely seems like pretty young and like fun. So I'm hoping that. Well, yeah, we were kind of getting nervous because you thought you had the job and then you weren't hearing anything. And then it turns out the HR rep was at Burning Man. Yeah. So. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, sorry, I've been in the desert on airplane mode for 10 days. And I was like, I could definitely work here. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I think it's inspiring for a lot of people and also just kind of shows that like sometimes we don't have kids. Not because it's the way we we thought life was going to work out. Yeah, you know? for sure. And not to say that you won't end up with kids eventually, potentially, but to know that you're kind of cool with them or without them is, I think, important to hear. So thank you for being open and honest with us. And to listeners, thanks for tuning in. As always, please, please, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and SoundCloud if you're listening there. Also, visit our website, notthemamapod.com. It's super awesome, super beautiful. We're hoping to have that be where you go mainly to our uh, episodes in the near future. That's also where you can see bios of all of our guests, see, see their photos, and also check out all the projects that they're working on because we link to everyone there. So it's a great resource for you. Um, and we'll also be having... Um, links to different articles and stuff that we're reading up there soon as well, including the article about the childcare versus rent. I'm going to put that up there um, for this episode. So um, thanks for tuning in as always and tell your friends to listen to us because they might enjoy it just as much as you. All right. Bye.